I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hi everyone, it's great to have you back on VLGA Connect and time for another in our local leaders series. I've got to say, I'm having a great time getting virtually around the state and talking to mayors and CEOs about their role, about their background. And today we're heading into Knox City to speak with the Mayor Councillor Marcia Timmers-Leach. Hello, Marcia. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Nice to nice to be here and thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. Thanks for accepting our invitation. How's things uh, going for you in Knox at the moment? It's a busy time at Knox. Um, we've had um, a lot going on this year. Uh, we've just uh, rolled out our food and organic waste service, uh, which uh, you know is a is a real mm. transition for our community. I know a lot of councils are doing exactly the same thing. We've had some uh, really significant planning matters come across our table, um, and of course, we're um, undertaking our review of kindergarten reform. Yes, I did read about that. There's a couple of things in the news that I was going to come to. Kindergarten, well, let's do kindergarten reform while we're we're on it, because I think you're uh, one of the few councils that have really been heavily into running uh, some of those facilities yourself, haven't you? Yes, that's right, Chris. We've um, we've been a long-standing deliverer on the ground of kindergarten services, and um, and the the changes in state government reform, particularly, um, have thrown a you know, us a lot of curveballs as it has for, for all kindergarten providers really over the last, you know, two to three years. So it's been an important piece of work that we've done to to try to understand whether or not um, as a council we're best placed to be that direct provider of services. Uh, and it can be a, an emotive issue for some, can't it? I've, I've sort of been there where you've got um, parents that think services are better delivered by councils because uh, it's better quality. You've got the employment issues. How are you going navigating those different stakeholder interests in that whole issue? Yeah, look, absolutely. You've absolutely nailed it. It is a really emotive issue. And as a parent of three children who've all gone through kindergarten at Knox, um, uh, that's the way that I actually became a counsellor was by being a parent committee member um, on kindergartens at Knox. So it is a really emotive issue for our families. It's a really emotive issue for our um, 100 plus staff that do an amazing job delivering services on the ground. So a really big part of our consideration and making sure that we're talking with all stakeholders has been part of our consideration. You said that's one of the reasons you became a councillor, being on a planning committee or a, a committee for um, uh, childcare or kindergarten. Kindergarten. What yeah. What was it about being a kindergarten committee member that made you think uh, the next logical step is to be a councillor? Yeah, look, you know, where does that come from? I was actually um, the president of a three-year-old program, um, independently run, parent-run, three-year-old program. We were operating out of a council site. Um, and that was about 2015 when the changes and reforms from the federal government came through to change the ratios for teacher to children um, yeah. from 1 to one to 15 down to 1 to 11. And the impact on my little three-year-old was that we were no longer able to use the brooms that we wanted to do. Mm. So I went back to council and uh, as the president said, okay, if we can't use these rooms, do you have any other rooms that we can use? And they said, well, actually, yes, there's one kilometre away. And so I spent the rest of that year actually um, 
starting a brand new three-year-old kindergarten. We wow. did community consultation. I rebranded. We um, applied for and were success- successfully getting a license from the state government in order to deliver that service. So 2016, I actually launched that kinder and um, my next child was, was there the following year. So I had two years as this president. And at the end of that year, it was, look, it was such a, a big job to do. Um, but the sense of pride and the sense of accomplishment that came from from doing that um, inspired me. I kind of, uh, that was uh, obviously the 2016 election um, period. And I I thought, wow, if I've been able to do this for this little pocket of Knox, what could I do for for the broader Knox? And that's probably where I I platformed into into running my my first campaign, um, an unsuccessful campaign, I should note, Chris. Um, I, I was going to say that because I thought you came in in a by election in twenty. 20- 19, but no doubt that work you did in 2016 set you up for that. Absolutely. It sure did. So 2016, there were five candidates and uh, I had the uh, eventual success and successful person on the, um, we took about a week worth of preferencing, but I yeah. just got pipped to the post in 2016. Uh-huh. And um, and then in 2018, that successful person ran for state um state government and res- and was successful and therefore resigned. Um, and uh, I was successful in the 2019 by-election. So just um, to take a step back to when you're setting up that kindergarten, that that mm-hmm. process, I imagine that on the face of it was a fairly daunting process. What what set you up to be able to do that in terms of skill set and, and background? So I actually... Uh, I went to uh, to Monash University. I have a Bachelor of Commerce with a double major in accounting and marketing and spent 10 years in corporate marketing. Um, So I must admit, though, of all of that prior career, um, I would suggest that um, setting up Kinder Lee, my three-year-old preschool, um, was the most rewarding um, to be able to take all of that knowledge that I had in in how to, you know, start a business and marketing campaigns and, and and all that needed to happen um, was probably put to good use when I started Kinderly. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm really proud. Over 600 families, um, it's still still operating today, um, has also responded to the state government reform. And over 600 families have gone through that centre since it was established in 2015. So. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. What a great, what a great <laughs> achievement. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Marcia, I'm mindful that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who've uh, put their hand up for council on the strength of a particular issue that they've been out there active in the community on. And mm-hmm. of course, once you get elected, there's, there's, there's so much more to get your head around. There's a big learning curve. There's a lot of other issues that perhaps you weren't even aware of. So how did you go making that transition and and where are you on that learning curve? Oh, look, Chris, I think that we learn every day. Um, I've certainly, uh, you know, I've now been a counsellor for five and a half years, hmm. four and a half years, um, and um, and I'm still learning. Certainly learnt, um, certainly learnt more as a as a mayor this year as well. Um, what I, I think, um, 
I think doing your research and understanding the role of being a counsellor is actually really important. Um, people who come in, I think, on single issues, um, it, it's, it is, as you said, a really difficult transition. Um, before I made the decision um, to run for council, I would attend council meetings. I actually was involved in an advisory, actually two different advisory committees on council. So um, I think that that gave me a broader appreciation of what the role what the role is. Um, if I was to give advice to anyone who's considering running, I'd just remind people that this is absolutely not an operational role. There are mm. many people that I've observed coming onto council who are like, all oh, right, I'm going to get those potholes fixed or I'm going to make sure that that playground has, um, you know, got, got mm. new play equipment. Um, and really a role of a counsellor is not an extension of the customer service team. Um, it is very importantly, a strategic role. And so making sure that you're coming in with a mindset of how can I strategically affect the whole municipality with the myriad of different issues that we're presented is really important. You've touched on a, a bit of a pet topic of mine, and that is for a long time, I've observed people get elected who don't really understand and appreciate what the role is. And I know yeah. we've got uh, mandatory pre-candidate training, et cetera, but I don't think it really hits the mark in terms of preparing people for the true nature of the role. So what do you think should be done? What more can be done to make sure we have better prepared candidates and ultimately councillors? I think um, a clear understanding of what the role actually is. Um, I have participated in that that pre-candidate training mm. um, and it, it's, it's just too light on. Um, it doesn't it doesn't touch the mark. Um, I think that the changes in the Local Government Act from when I was first elected to what we went through in the 2020 um, from an induction phase um, was really helpful. Um, for me, um, in addition to that, I've actually completed the Australian Institute of Company Directors course. Um, I think that, that is um was really important for elevating, um, especially uh, my understanding of governance, my understanding of risk, risk appetite, risk mm. management, um, really important, um, and thinking strategically instead of operationally. So I would be, um, I would welcome that as being part of an induction program, probably not straight away when you first become a counsellor. There is a lot to learn. Um, and there's a lot to learn from a uh, governance perspective and an operational perspective, but there's also a lot to learn on the practicalities of what a day-to-day -day role looks like as a counsellor. So making sure that that's incorporated into induction is really important. You're spot on, and that's really good advice. I guess one of the challenges is that uh, people in the community also don't really understand what the role of the councillor is. And there's this uh, ever-increasing push for the councillor to be able to do something to solve their problem. And that's that's a real um, rock and a hard place, isn't it, in some, in, in some respects for that strategic versus operational function that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Community expectations on what can be achieved and what we are allowed to influence um, is often very different from the practicalities of it. Mm. Um, I think that there's also um, a general confusion um, by uh, locals, residents on 
um, which level of government is actually responsible for the delivery um, and the decision making. Um, I think there's some really important work that needs to happen in that relationship uh, between the different levels of government um, mm. in, in helping with those expectations as well. Mm. Yeah. So at what point after you became a councillor did being mayor become something that you thought was achievable and possible or desirable? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was elected in April 2019. Um, by the For the November mayoral elections, I was elected deputy mayor. So that was in my first term. So very quickly, Chris, I was interested in, um, in stepping into that leadership role. Um, I put my hand up three times to be the mayor. So 2020, I put my hand up. 2021, I put my hand up and was successful last year. So um, I think having that ambition and learning and um, being persistent with it is really important. Mm. Um, what I'm grateful actually about, though, is that I have been elected uh, mayor in this term because I think it's the first proper mayoral term that has happened post-COVID. Mm. So um, I've... Um, been delighted to be able to enjoy the full breadth of the mayoral role. Um, I particularly enjoy celebrating uh, the work of our officers and our staff and highlighting the exceptional work that they do. Um, I love um, getting out to our community groups and celebrating what they're delivering on the ground for our community, um, highlighting the work that they do. Uh, so I think that this this current mayoral term that we're all enjoying is is probably the first one that's been able to to really spread our wings and and get back out in the community um, and back out on site properly and enjoy that that full role. Do you have a to do list for your mayoral term of things that you want to achieve or issues that you want to bring a spotlight to? I'm, I've never actually approached the role of either a councillor or a mayor with one particular vision in mind. Mm. Um, I've always wanted to just bring good quality decision making to the table. Um, so probably if I was thinking about what I want to achieve in, in this mayoralty, um, it was about bringing together all our councillor team um, in a way that uh, encourages really good quality decision making, uh, respectful relationships um, and you know, good quality debate where all people um, at the table can feel heard. Uh, that's probably what I've been focusing on this year. And can I just say, not to say that we were dysfunctional in any way, shape or form yeah. to be beforehand, but I think that we can always improve. Mm. And um, particularly I've been wanting to encourage those um, those councillors that maybe haven't been as confident to, to, to put their, their views forward um, I particularly believe in really diverse and inclusive views in, in quality decision-making, and that's what I've been trying to foster this year. So what does life away from council look like for you? What do you do to keep balance? That's a really great question, um, and I'm not sure I've actually achieved balance yet, Chris. <laughs> a work in progress? Um, a work in progress. I, what I do know about the role of a counsellor is it's really difficult to switch off. Even when, you know, you're, you know, you're in your I'm cooking or gardening kind of spaces, it's, it's often 
the, these issues that are bubbling and ruminating around um, in, in your brain. I have three children. Um, they are one in high school and two in, in later years primary school. So um, my husband and I love spending time um, away with them camping um, and uh, enjoy just being, you know, a family and, and spending time together as a family. So um, I also really value um, getting out for a walk with my girlfriends. I've probably got a couple of girlfriends I walk with several times a week and and I think that's really important to maintain those friendships and and have that safe space away from council that you can kind of download and and you know get out fresh air exercise all of that that balance piece I know there's lots of great spots around Knox where you can obviously go walking but for the camping thing you'd have to leave Knox wouldn't you what sort of direction do you head yeah I head to Marysville so oh. Marysville is our sweet spot. Um, yeah. It's it's just a wonderful place there. So we we do some free camping there and and have a great time. If you weren't a councillor and mayor, what would you be doing? Um, that's a really great question. Um, before I became a mayor, actually, I was balancing councillor role with um, a second role, and that was actually in renewable energy. Um, oh. So I was part of the Star of the South project, which are building Australia's first offshore wind farm off the coast of Gippsland. Oh. Um, and uh, certainly, um, that's the space that I'm most interested in. So renewable energy, effective waste management, um, climate response initiatives um, is where my passion lies. So uh, that's probably um, uh, an interest that I'll, I'll continue to explore. I just never know the direction the conversation is going to go with a question like that. That is absolutely fascinating. So um, is being a councillor and, and potentially mayor again, is, is that a long-term thing for you or do you see this as a finite life? I think what, what, you're actually, what I'm hearing in that question, Chris, is um, – being a counsellor is amazing. I really, really love being part of good quality decision-making and good quality uh, decision-making for my community. Um, however, at a at the current remuneration level of a counsellor, um, it's it's not going to be putting dinner on the table, in, certainly in my household. Um, so um, I would love to continue on being a counsellor However, um, until it gets to the point where um, we're actually able to concentrate on that being a full-time job, um, there must be some balance and some additional employment happening. So um, whether that is in combination or or a transition away from counselling, I haven't actually made that decision yet. Um, uh, but uh, I certainly would love to continue being a counsellor if we were paid um, appropriately for the role. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting perspective. And and again, it's a question I never quite know what answer I'm going to get because some people see themselves as being there for, for as long as they keep getting re-elected. Mm-hmm. Others want to make some change and influence on particular things and then move on to a next phase of life. So it sounds like you're a bit in between. I am. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely open. If I could be the mayor for the rest of my life, I reckon that'd be all right. That's not, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm having, I'm having a good time in this role. Um, and yeah, one of the great things about being a counsellor is just as you said, you don't, you never know what's going to come next at you. So there's always variety. 
Um, you know, when you're part of an organisation that has a thousand employees and, you know, five or six directorates and, you know, a hundred odd services that you're delivering, there's always something new coming down the pipeline. There's always something interesting to explore. Um, and obviously the changing reforms that are coming through from other levels of government means that we're constantly on our toes and, and adapting. So it's certainly a uh, certainly an opportunity to continually grow and learn as a leader and as a, um, a contributor to our community. Uh, Marcia, some of your counterparts have been uh, pretty vocal about the financial health long-term of the sector. What's your view on how Knox is situated in terms of a sustainability uh, point of view going forward? The last budget that we've endorsed, Chris, um, echoes uh, those kind of concerns that my counterparts have. Financially, financial sustainability of the sector is in a, in a rate capping environment when um, CPI and infrastructure costs are well above what the rate cap is. Um, are also things that are being experienced by Knox. Um, Knox has um, one of the lowest residential rate bases in in uh, Melbourne. We are still also supporting our most vulnerable um, pensioners with a pensioner rebate as well. So we are financially constrained and this budget that we have just endorsed um, reflects that. Mm. We are making some really tough decisions um, in, and we are doing a lot of work in terms of our service reviews. Um, the biggest problems that I see is the constant cost shifting from other levels of government or even more so not keeping up with the cost. Um, so we saw that in our library services this year where um, the state government contribution did not index this year. Um, so, uh, you know, the other levels of government are just not keeping up with the cost of delivering the service and it, it's having a massive impact um, for Knox. I think there's a lot of work that we can do to relationship with other levels of government to have more discussion on the impact that those um, those types of decisions are making for local government ultimately in the delivery of services for all in our community. So Marcia, another Knox related issue that's been in the media a bit lately is this uh, Lake Knox issue, the dam that uh, the community is mobilising to protect from development. I think it's Development Victoria that has uh, had a couple of applications refused by your council. Where's that issue sitting and how big is it in the community? Yeah, look, it is a really strong issue for our community. Um, Council actually refused the proposal earlier this year, um, mainly because it would mean the uh, extensive removal of protected vegetation and destruction of a water body that um, the community are calling Lake Knox. Mm. Um, that place is actually the home to the endangered blue-billed duck. Um, so council is going to VCAT and is continuing to fight for the proposal. Um, we really do appreciate how strongly our community feels about this. Um, the proposal included plans for the wetland um, and we we just knew that um, the, the, the destruction of this Lake Knox, which is the habitat for the blue-billed duck, um, just means that we were concerned on the protection values of mm. that. So mm. um, it's not just the vegetation. There were several other issues um, in terms of the development um, that comes through. So it the proposal itself actually failed to balance the need for housing um, and the need to respect the environmentally significant site. Mm. Um, I think most importantly, we, we we received over 
1,100 objections to the proposal. So that's some really significant community consultation. Mm. It wasn't just the number, it was the quality of right. the submissions that formed part of it. So, yes, currently at VCAT and Council are continuing to fight um, against the, the proposal. I'll never forget in one of my very early council roles, uh, a very seasoned councillor um, saying to me, it's not the number of submissions that counts, it's the weight of those right. submissions and, uh, you know, the responsibility to read them and weigh all of that up. Uh, Marcia, before we uh, let you go, that's just sort of touched a bit on the housing issue, which I know every council is uh, dealing with. What's your approach there to um, solving this increasing issue of affordable housing in Knox? The council has just um, endorsed our social and affordable housing policy um, and um, are very um, passionate um, about addressing this key issue. We are seeing increased homelessness in Knox and we're seeing um, increased homelessness specifically um, uh, in, in our cohort of women over 55. So we're mm. taking this really seriously. Um, we're looking at ways that we can support um, in terms of, you know, inclusionary housing within um our proposed infield developments um, and really passionate about making sure that when we are advocating for appropriate sites for social and affordable housing, it's within areas such as key activity areas that are close to public transport, close to facilities um, and close to services. Well, uh, best of luck with that. As I say, it's something that's challenging all councils. Uh, Marcia, we need to wrap it up. It's been a delight to have you on the program and to speak with you. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks, Chris. Really great to be here. Really appreciate you having spending some time. That's Councillor Marcia Timmers-Leach, the Mayor of the City of Knox, here on Local Leaders from VLGA Connect. 